Hello and welcome to Victory Over Adversity. Your host is Heather Laurie of Special Needs Homeschooling. This broadcast is brought to you by the Ultimate Homeschooling Radio Network. Hello, friends. This is Heather Laurie, and this is Victory Over Adversity, a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. I'm so glad that you joined me today. This is the holiday season, and I have a confession. I love the holidays. I am a holiday fanatic. Come September 1st, give me fall and warm and hot apple cider. Rolls right into Thanksgiving. I love helping my family. We do 22 pound turkey this year and, you know, seven different sides. We cook for the family. We do all of this wonderful stuff. Um, someday my dream is for Thanksgiving to have my, my kids come over, the kids from the dorm, you know, my older kids to have their family over. I want my house so full. I have to like shift a grandkid aside just to sit down. I love that feeling. Now we're sliding into Christmas and Christmas just, it gives me the warm fuzzies. I want decorated trees and I, I want Christmas carols running at all times. And I, I, a friend of mine did a hot drink bar this year. I saw it and I'm like, oh, that's a great idea. So when a bunch of, um, my son's guy friends came over, they had like a teenage gaming thing. I created this hot chocolate bar. It was a great thing. I'm going to do that again next year. So that was a great idea. I love it. And, and I will, I will be sitting there thinking in March, I'm like, hmm, what colors should we do for the tree this year? <laughs> um, the thing is, is when I became saved, Christmas became so much more. The, the depth and the feeling to Christmas changed. The other parts of me never went away. I, I still love decorating and I still love having a, a home that is just dripping in Christmas, particularly in Christmas lights. When I was in the military, I ended up being in the hospital for four months in Beth Bethesda and Walter Reed hospitals. And I was there over Christmas. And one of the things that I found, <laughs> and I said something to this really cute guy I was writing letters to, I said, I really miss Christmas lights and eggnog. And this really cute guy, huh, my husband, uh, well, later, but um, so he shows up at the hospital and he brought me a tiny little Christmas tree that fit on my hospital tray. And he brought me a little thing of eggnog that we sat there and we drank while we talked. I just, what can I say? Everything he did and I was in love and it was Christmas. <sighs> so this is the feelings. These are all of these delicious and beautiful feelings that come to me when I think of Christmas. And I had kids and I'm thinking, wonderful, I have five children. What could possibly go wrong with Christmas? Kids love Christmas. I love Christmas. This is a match made in heaven, right? Right? No. <laughs> Not at all. The good Lord saw fit to give me five children who have high sensory needs. And visually, sensory just goes nuts. Auditory, 
sensory goes nuts, you know, Christmas carols. The smell, all of the smells of Christmas. I, I would have cranberry candles or I would have, you know, dish a potpourri on, on the stove or um, baking and cooking all season long. It would be too much for the kids. And in general, that emotional, it is a wonderful feeling of kind of like the, the TV shows love to show it as like a cloud of joy and glitzy, glowy love. But really, it's oppressive to some children. It's oppressive to some people because it's so much expectation. There's so much emotion into what this season should be. And so we were having meltdowns. We were having meltdowns at the laundry mat. I take the kids to the store, and next thing I know, Campbell's soup bottles or uh, Campbell's soup cans are flying through the air, and I'm ducking. I'm like, oh no. We would try to go to uh, nursery school, to Sunday school. They're sitting there singing carols, and someone has come in and decorated the entire room with, with beautiful garland and wonderful things, but it was too much. I think. The entire holiday season for sensory kids can really be demonstrated by too much. But today, we're going to do something about that. We're going to do something about that. We're going to make sure that the, sensor, that the holiday season is sensorily more acceptable, the sensor, that the holiday season is calmer, more peaceful, something where we can truly stop, pull back, and focus on the the memory making of this season, of the love and the joy. And if that is Christmas lights for your family, then it's Christmas lights. My family, we go every year. We've already been once this year to the lights. We're going to go again probably another time, I hope. That's sitting there uh, drinking hot chocolate with your kids. If that's getting together to do Advent with your children, if that is bringing everybody in the family over to pack shoeboxes. What we're going to do today is we're going to go over, I have four tips that are going to help us set up a structure where we're going to be more successful with our sensory kits. And the first one, this is a common one. This is one that I am going to, I'm going to pound this drum time and time and time and time again. This is something that we should be eat, sleep and breathing. Set boundaries. What do I mean by set boundaries, particularly in the holiday season? I mean, really stop and think about it. You may be really good at setting boundaries come September 1st or at the end of the year or during soccer season and say, no, we're doing soccer. We're not doing football. We're going to have uh, two children in music, two children in soccer. We're going to do uh, classic co-op and that's it. All right, people, that's it. But come the holiday season when your own mother is calling going, honey please. <laughs> and then your husband's mother is calling. And then you have, you know, Christmas parties lined up every Friday of the month. And then you start filling in your Saturdays. Sundays are service days. Tuesdays are co-op days. And then you have any music lessons that you're doing. I mean, again, you can see where I'm heading with this. Your December goes from being a peaceful, calming period to being burn, baby, ah, and you're just, everything is going crazy. So we need to set boundaries on time. 
what is the most important? Let's set out some priorities here. So set your priorities and set your boundaries for that. But let's take this one step further. What happens if you come Christmas Eve, you pull in, and everybody's about to have this big Christmas Eve party with grandma and grandpa, you walk in the room, and the cousin is sitting there in the corner with red cheeks, fever, nose running, and it isn't clear. We know what's coming now. Are we going to stay? Are we even going to stay a half an hour and say, well, we'll just wash hands really, really good. Yeah, I know that... One of our little ones is immune compromised, but maybe we can make it if we keep her on this side and him on that side. That's really difficult. It is so difficult to make those kind of calls, particularly if you've just driven, you know, an hour to get to grandma's house or you know that a uh, cousin doesn't come in, but maybe a couple of times a year. It is really difficult to then say, I know this is Christmas Eve, but your child and through no fault of his own, germs happen, is sick, and will make my child sick. I can't stay. You need to just outline it. You need to tell everybody there needs to be no fevers for 48 hours. Nobody's uh, nose, if your nose is running clear, okay, that's cool. I understand that's allergies, but if it's running something else, we got a problem. If you have any other particular medical issue, outline it. Make sure everyone knows what we're getting into to begin with. So that if you get there on Christmas Eve and you say, listen, little cousin over there, he looks sick. He's got a fever. I know you guys think that maybe I can keep my little one over here and that somehow is going to be okay. But do you understand if my little one gets sick, she goes in the hospital. There isn't a choice. This isn't a good thing. This isn't something that I can get around. We will try again around New Year's or we will get together on video. Um, there are lots of options now to make it more personal, even though you're not in the same room together. Use them. Family. I love family. I got more family when I married, got even more family, you know, as as, as sister-in-laws and, and, and extended family married. And this is great. This is wonderful. But you know what? Not everybody in a family gets along together. It happens. And not everybody in a family gets along together every single year. You need to take the step of going, all right, this is family issues. We're grumbly. Hey, we'll all get over it over the turkey. No big deal. And that is easily most of the issues. But occasionally, there is an issue where recently heard of a family who um, had an issue where a family member was giving their child a known allergen food in order to say to show see your kid doesn't really have those issues I just gave her what was it it was a piece of gluten bread just gave her gluten she's no problem and they're like she is a celiac this isn't a gluten insensitivity this isn't a gluten intolerance this is celiac disease known documented in the books and this child is now going to suffer for days because of something that you did that is not acceptable that is absolutely not acceptable. Um, having a family member come up to a child and saying, oh, I've heard the R word thrown at family reunions. Guys, our family can be the most loving and wonderful support system ever. They can also be the most brutal. So let's just stop. If there is an issue in your family that you feel is, is that much that could harm your child's development, could harm your child emotionally, don't go. 
I know this is not easy. I'm not asking you easy things on this podcast, am I? But step back, set your boundaries. All right, so let's keep rocking. Pre-planning is a good thing. I, I've told you before, I am a boho planner. I'm just like, woohoo, I know the general thing of where I'm going. I know that I generally want this beautiful big meal. And I know that I have to go grocery shopping and I'll just kind of float through the grocery store and get what I need. Well, we've already talked about the grocery store. The grocery store is an issue. The grocery store is sensory intense. I have five kids plowing through there. Now I've got other people who are trying to shop for themselves and people who are trying to get presents for themselves. I need to pre-plan. I need to have exactly how much I need to buy, what the budget is. I need to go and get it. Um, Clothing, pre-planning clothing, that is a good thing. As much as I adore having the kids in beautiful, matchy-matchy clothes, I think it's so cute, particularly when they were younger. Now that they're teenagers, that's just not going to happen, but I love the idea of having them in matchy-matchy clothes. Matchy-matchy clothes were not going to ever happen because I have one child who is a sensory defensive really defensive about clothing. I have another kid who could care less what is on her body. She just, uh, there's almost a, um, she is hyposensitive. So between those two, and then you throw in, you know, everybody else's quirks and, and, and uniqueness, um, that wasn't going to happen. So instead, what I would do is I would make sure I'd set out certain rules for clothing, just like I do on Sunday, no rips, no tears, no stains. And I would give them a choice, uh, depending on their age, the older they got, of course, the more choice they got, the younger they got, they just kind of got to go with what mommy said, and would go with that. So pre-planning is a good thing. Pre-plan up to the point of having, if you're going to be out late on one of these nights, going to the nativity, going to caroling or an event, have blankets in the van. So if you're living up north here, already well below 20 at night, so the kids aren't dreading getting into the van. They aren't dreading the process of going it. You want to take as much of the dread and as much of this out of it. Also, have them do it so you're not doing 100% of this. They're getting some independence. They're learning that by bringing blankets, they're going to feel better. We need to take a moment here, victory over adversity, and give a shout out to some friends. Um, we're also going to give you a heads up on specialneedshomeschooling.com has a store. This uh, holiday season, we have sensory boxes that are available. We have the book Homeschooling When Learning Isn't Easy signed on sale. Love to get that in your hands. And if you wish, we also have the ebook that's available. And right now I have a sensory holiday workshop that is available for a quick download. So if you want to stop on over at specialneedshomeschooling.com and check out the store. So today we're talking about the four tips for uh, dealing with sensory issues during the holidays. We've talked about setting boundaries. We've talked about pre-planning is a good thing. So let's talk about some good things. Let's talk about how to create reasonable traditions. Guys, I'm watching. I have seen it on Facebook, seen it on Pinterest. Twitter is afloat in it. Uh, how many of you are creating these very complicated, very um, intense, sometimes every single day traditions? Okay, I'm just going to call it out. It's the elf. 
the elf on the shelf thing. Okay, that's one tradition that is overly complicated. It is fun. It is cute. I've seen some really cute things. But I've also seen some some downside to that. Um, uh, I've seen children who get anxiety over the idea of having, you know, this fun, playful, cute elf that's actually in their home watching. So you really need to know your child well. But the problem that I want to point out here is that you, as a parent, are creating a tradition that is putting work on yourself. If you're already working hard, you're already doing a lot of things through the holidays, let's be careful that we're not adding more burdens. This also goes with Advent. Are people, um, are you doing an Advent calendar? And Pinterest has really upped the Advent thing. I remember having an Advent when I was a kid. We bought it from the German club. You popped in the little little days of the, the, the month and you got just this tiny little German piece of chocolate and it was... It was like, yay, okay. And you went on with your day. But uh, I now see that people are getting 25, 24 different wrapped presents and entire baskets full of presents. And then if you times that by however many children you have, it used to be, um, in, in my recollection, and the families that were around me, it would be one present for the entire family. Now it's one present per person in the family. Let's see, that's mom, that's dad, that's one kid, two kids, three kids, four kids. How many kids? Whoo! I really, wow, the budget on that just makes my brain bleed. How I have seen some ways that would be more homeschooling oriented. So you could loop this in with your homeschool. It wouldn't be as burdensome, but you'd still have that fun of doing the Advent is one book a day during the homeschooling days. And you would sit and you would read and okay, this goes to the other part of this reasonable traditions. Now suddenly that's a memory maker. Now suddenly you have made a memory with your child and that book is going to be with you and your family tucked away in the Christmas box. So every year that book comes out. That's another reason why you don't do 24 books in one month. So you have more books to do next year. You can spread things out. A real quick way to fry your Christmas is to over-decorate, to go into your homeschooling area, to put up lights, to put up garland, to put up dangling Christmas bulbs, to make Martha Stewart happy. It just, the homeschooling area is not a great place to do this. The homeschooling area, you, you, in, in my experience of almost 20 years of homeschooling is that it needs to be cleaner. It needs to be less chaotic. It needs to be more focused on homeschooling, on learning, on whatever is the subject of the thing, of the day, of the unit study. I will put things up on the wall. I love to do that. But I always make sure that I, if I'm putting something on the wall, I run it through my idea of, all right, is this helping learning? Is this going to distract from learning? Is this too visually intense? If it's a fun poster that just happens to be visually intense, I will more than likely put it in the play area than I will in the homeschooling area. But over-decorating right now will cost you. Over-decorating is one of the biggest sensory issues with homeschool with, with, the, with the holiday season. So I will make sure that all of my really intense Christmas decorating is by the Christmas tree. And the Christmas tree is in one room. Now I will have items throughout the house, but the intensity of my homeschool, of my decorating will be focused on one place. And hey, you know that actually, for me, I'm not a decorator. 
I'm not. I have, if I could have a brown thumb in decorating, I'd have a brown thumb, folks. I am not good at it. But I love the idea. And I love watching some of the shows. And I'm like, oh, I wish I could do that. If I have one little area, I seem to do a little better on it. So <laughs> let's just say this is my faux decorating tip. Keep it in one area. Keep it around the focus of the Christmas tree where kids can come, they can partake, they can have a great time, and then they can step away. I highly recommend that you focus on memory making. Focus on the things that you want to remember 20 years from now. Focus on the things that you remember 20 years from now. I went to a great support group meeting recently, and they asked us to write down a couple of things that we remembered as kids. And every single one of us remembered an experience, an event, um, a something special with a particular person. Nobody said... Oh, I just loved the one Christmas gift that I got on such and such sixth birthday or, you know, the one year that mom and dad went out and they did swagging on our tree. Oh, that was the year. Now, something like that could come in of, I remember us as a family getting together and putting up the tree and mom was going, but you're not supposed to put all the Christmas bulbs on the bottom two feet. And it was funny and it was beautiful. And this was memory making. So may I encourage you to do that? Also, I love the holiday season. I find it to be more, especially for the preteens and the teen years, you know, sensory stuff doesn't go away. It changes shape. It becomes more independent where they can take control of it. Uh, we found that if we provided service options for the kids, we provided something where they could be less about themselves, more doing something, more outwardly focused, it became less about how sensory was affecting them and more about how they were helping someone else. And that was a wonderful thing. And it also just shifted the entire focus from the family of what am I going to get to, wow, look how God is touching people's hearts all around the world this Christmas season. Mom, did you did you read this, this uh, article that I saw? And I'm like, yeah, I did. And we'll sit and we'll read it together. Hey, that's homeschooling right there. And it is showing me that my children are growing. It's showing me that they're taking control of everything from their sensory needs to their, um, their relationship with the Lord to being able to help others with their relationship with the Lord. And the last tip I'm going to give a shout out for today is know when to call it a day. Again, this can be so hard in the holiday season when we just want to stay. We haven't seen our aunt and our uncle in a long time and they just drove in from another state. It's just got that wonderful feel and you remember staying up until midnight. You know, it was special. It was an event, but your child is melting down at nine and you're going to need to go with it. It's better it's better to go home five minutes before the meltdown than it is to try to get a child who is melting down, who is screaming, who everybody's giving you advice on the way out the door. It's better to, to say, all right, honey, when you begin to feel that, you know, the walls are pressing in on you, there's too many people here, too many smells, too many lights, you let me know, we'll take a walk. So you go, you take a walk, you come back. All right, it's still not working. It's still too much. And instead of going, oh, we have to go home early because little Johnny just can't handle it. And, and 
oh my golly, if they should hear that, no, don't say that. And don't think that. Just stop and say, all right, we had a great couple of hours here. We did really well. We did better than we did last year. And next year, it may be even better. And it's, we had a great Christmas. It's time to go home. It's time to stop. And it's just the same with tired kids, with grumpy kids, with grumpy parents. You know, you're out there. You're like me. Come Christmas Eve, you're fried. Come Christmas morning, you stayed up most of Christmas Eve doing stuff. And now you're at two o'clock in the afternoon. You're like, I must sleep. I need a nap. All right. Then take into account your own needs and go home and have a wonderful, wonderful holiday. So these are just some simple things to set some boundaries Pre-planning is a good thing. Create a reasonable tradition and know when to call it a day and know that this holiday is a God-centered holiday. Pull it away from being self-centered. Pull it away of how things are affecting you, things are affecting your child, and try, and this may take some years, but you will get there. Try to shift it to the wonderful birthday of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Merry Christmas, folks. Have a happy holiday season, and I wish you the very best. The whole family here wishes you the very best from victory over adversity. God bless from the Lorries. Amen. Thank you for listening to Victory Over Adversity with your host, Heather Laurie. If you would please share this podcast with your friends, visit iTunes and leave a review. If you want to find out more about special needs homeschooling, please visit Heather's website, specialneedshomeschooling.com, for resources and to read her long-standing blog. She has a book available, Homeschooling When Learning Isn't Easy. See you next time, and victory over adversity.